Before we jump in today's episode of the Gridiron Fantasy Show, I wanted to let you guys know about our brand new partnership with the DFS platform Parlay Play. Please use our code GRIDIRONFS for a 100% deposit match up to $100 plus a $5 free play game. Parlay Play is a new DFS platform. Much like Underdog, the more you put on your slip, the more you hit, the higher the multiplier is. So again, use our code GRIDIRONFS on Parlay Play. Got it up! And short, Agnew! Brings it out of the end zone. Agnew still running. Agnew down the sideline. Agnew touchdown Jacksonville. A hundred and nine yard incredible. Again to the sideline. Pat it on. Oh God! Stokely down the sideline. Can they catch up? Stokely. Wow! Welcome in to the Gridiron Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Paul. You can find me on Twitter at Gump7285. Joined by my best bud and co-host, Derek. You can find him on Twitter at D underscore Cook93. And we're here to talk some good old Dynasty football. It's about 9 p.m. Eastern time, so Monday Night Football game is still in progress. So we're going to go over what we saw from week four and do our little dance we do here each and every week for you. We'll kick it off with a trade in one of our own leagues. I was actually involved in this one. I shipped off T-Law for Tua straight up. Uh, Six-point passing touchdown, super flags. I think we got .1 per passing first down and half a point for rushing first down. So with these two, the rushing first down, pretty minuscule in my opinion, unless T-Law gets one or two a game. We don't have any points for completions, do we? Point one. Point one. So nothing nothing horrendous. Yeah, it's nothing crazy. Yeah, I'm just frustrated with T Law so far. I was a team. I did productive struggle going into our third year. Had T Law, Burrow, Bijan, Jameer, Jamar Chase, DK, Pitts, Traylon, Jan Dotson. I Felt like I was pretty loaded, and I'm looking at after this week one and seven. So yeah, of course, good. of course, play against the median. So, um, but <clears throat> I, I hear you. Your team on paper, because you know we've talked about this team of yours a few times on the show. Uh, you know, going back when we first started podcasting, even you know some of the moves you've made and stuff. And I felt like on paper your team is rock solid. It just sucks because T Law and Burrow have both been pretty abysmal this year. So, you know. You're kind of at the point now where you're like, do I make moves to try and continue to compete or do I just, you know, stand pat? And obviously, you know, we both kind of – I think we both like Tua over T-Law, you know, currently. So I think you made a good move. You trade him straight up. Um, and T-Law's – T-Law longevity-wise, I think I would like a little better. But Tua currently just instant points, man. I can't blame you for T- or for Tua. Yeah, I sent three offers to the same manager – the Tua for T-Law straight up, 
T-Law for Stroud and 24 first, and T-Law for Stroud and Purdy. So I gave him his pick of the litter, and I'm surprised he went with the 201, to be honest with you. He wasn't starting C.J. Stroud, so I figured he might opt for the pick and Stroud, given it's a bench player and a pick to get an upgrade for his quarterback to start. So I was a little bit surprised he picked the swap Tua. But I I sent all three of them, so I'm happy with no matter which one gets accepted, and I'm kind of glad it was the Tua one. It still puts me in a place to go out there and try to compete every week if Joe Burrow gets his shit together at all this season. But I also have Jared Goff, but it's hard to sit down Burrow, man, no matter yeah, the is. matchup. It, it really is. I don't I don't get what the uh, offensive struggles the Bengals are going through right now. It's uh, kind of crazy even think about saying that considering the weapons they have. Um, but, yeah, I, I think out of the three offers, because I think you sent me that you sent me a text saying that you sent those three offers and told me you were surprised to do. And honestly, I was, too. If I was him, I probably would have sent Stroud in the first. I would have probably done either of the other two besides Tua. If you can tell me I can have Tua and T-Law on the same team, I'd be I'd be pretty happy, even with T-Law's, you know, underperformance so far this year. Yeah, I think he had five starting quarterbacks. Ah, it's plenty, uh, plenty to spare. Oh, yeah, that's why I sent the Purdy and Stroud one. I was like, maybe he's maybe he's one of those people. I got I got the extra assets to spare. I'll burn them to upgrade. So I, was, right. so I was really hoping that would get accepted. That'd give me four starting quarterbacks and some trade chips. But he had to for Tua, which I'm a big Tua guy. I got him in my top six currently in Dynasty. You know, when he's healthy and playing, he's absolutely elite. There's no questioning it. There's no nothing about it. He hits the field. He's elite week in and week out. I'm the same way, brother. I've got him right at six. He's right behind. I mean, I've still got T-Law higher than him, um, but I haven't adjusted my my rankings, you know, since the last game. Yeah, we'll dive right into the meat and potatoes. A couple week four takeaways uh, from the Thursday night Lions and Packers game. David Montgomery, he's here to stay, man. 32 carries. Three, two, in 2023, that is unheard of, even if you're Derrick Henry. He had 32 totes for 121 yards, the hat trick, three touchdowns, and two catches for 20 yards. He's When he's playing, he's getting all the carries. He's getting like 15-plus a game, I believe, when he's healthy. But he's, he's here to stay, man. He's not going anywhere. He's not a flash in the pan. Dan Campbell loves him. Offense coordinator Ben Johnson obviously loves him. So I'm if I'm a contender, I'm trying to get David Montgomery. Oh, absolutely. Not, I, I've been hearing a lot of oh, he's you know, their new Jamal Williams. No, Jamal Williams was the goal line guy and touchdown dependent. Montgomery is not that. He's getting almost all the carries. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the comparison between him and Jamal Williams. Like you said, Jamal Williams was just a touchdown vulture. Um, and I don't even necessarily want to call him a vulture because, you know, DeAndre Swift couldn't stay healthy. Um, but, yeah, man, like you said, 30, 32 carries, 121 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, he had himself a day. I'm, he's currently uh, running back six. He's, he's putting up all the points, and I believe he missed a game, right? Yeah, he game missed, he missed uh, Atlanta against three, Atlanta. Yeah. So, um, you know, this last week he finished his running back two. I uh, put up what 40, 43 points in our point formats. I mean, 
I'd be buying Montgomery all day long. You could still probably get him for a decent price. Um, to be honest, I'm surprised they're not deploying Jameer Gibbs more, considering what they have invested in him. But they got David Montgomery on a deal. They're gonna they're gonna run him into the ground this year. I mean, why not? He's effective. It's not like he's just a plotter and he's not doing anything. He's got five touchdowns in three games, sixteen carries, twenty one and thirty two. So he's getting the job done. He's got. 74, 67, 121 rush yards. So he's doing the damn thing right now. Yeah, the big thing is he's going to produce. Right. The big thing is he's getting the volume. Um, If there's any negative downside, he had all those carries and only averaged 3.8 yards a carry. I'd like for that to be a little bit higher, but 30 30 touches. (laughs) I can't complain. Right. At that point, it really doesn't matter what your averages are. You got the ball so damn much, you're going to put up points. Right. It's. uh, by sheer opportunity, you're going to get some points. And we'll move on to the second big takeaway of the week. The Cole Komet breakout is upon us, I believe. This past week, he had seven catches for 85 yards and two touchdowns. 27.6 PPR points. He's been the guy all season for Justin Fields. Seven targets, six. Two versus Kansas City. But I'll, you know, don't care too much about that one, I guess. It's Kansas City. They have a tough-nosed defense, and they faced him out of the game plan. And then another nine targets this past week. It's been a top six tight end twice. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think he finished his tight end. He finished his tight end one this week. Um, I'm honestly surprised that he is Justin Fields' uh, biggest target so far. I figured DJ Moore coming into that offense would have, you know, not allowed that to happen. Uh, and Cole Kmet kind of fits that tight end timeline. He's currently 24 in year four. So I think the breakout's right there with you. I 100% agree. It, it makes perfect sense. And this offense seems to be sputtering and struggling. Uh, Cole Kmet's about the only one that's, well, I guess him and DJ Moore, like I said, are worth a damn receiving the ball. I'm not surprised that Kmet's getting these type of numbers. They gave him the big extension, I think almost $70 million in the offseason. He was a big part of the team last year for the offense game plan. So that's going to be what it is going forward, and he could possibly be the new trendy top five tight end moving up there this season, I'd say. I know I'm extremely high on him at this point. If this is the work he's going to be getting every week, sign me up. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, short of them going out and getting another receiving weapon, you know, it seems like he is weapon number two on the totem pole, potentially one. Uh, I'm I'm right there with you. We we like guided opportunity, and Cole Komet's going to have all the opportunity in the world. And on this offense, like you said, we got DJ Moore. Darnell Mooney's not what he used to be. There's really no receiving back receiving back threat. So somebody's got to step up, and it's it's going to be him apparently. So good for him. He got the uh, like I say he got the big extension. He's going to be around for a while, and also uh, our guy Ray GQ has been toting this new theory of his called the Trinity for mostly for wide receivers, but obviously tight ends are pass catchers, so it works for them as well. It's uh, basically uh, three metrics that he really likes to look at. Uh, Target share percentage, yak, slash, you know, run after the catch, and then as well as, what is it, air yards. So if 
they have those three components. They're up there in elite status for him. There's a pretty good chance they're going to produce for you, and Cole Komet's been in that category each and every week this season, and it's finally popping for him in the statistics column. And I think that's what we're going to see going forward each and every week, five-plus targets. You're going to have very good touchdown upside. So I'm all in on Cole Komet, especially in this current tight end landscape. I'm a buyer. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging six targets a game, so I'm, I'm right there with you. And he's got, like I said, 24 targets on the season, 18 catches. That's a pretty good catch rate as well for almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, he really hadn't done a whole hell of a lot previous to this game. Uh, so I think this is just, uh, you know, I don't know what I'm looking for, but it's 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 more to come. Yes, it is. That's really my two big takeaways from this past week of football. Move on to a new segment we'll do here weekly, uh, Panic or Patience. Scale of 1 to 10 if you're panicking or if you're still being patient with this player and what you're doing with him right now. And naturally, we're going to kick it off with Jameer Gibbs. I know a lot of people in the community have been panicking on him since week two. Is now the time to panic, especially what we just saw from David Montgomery? The lines are good. They're going to be in a positive or neutral game script majority of the season. It's not very often they're going to be in a negative script for Jameer to be out there catching a lot of passes. So what what's your stance on Jameer right now in 1-10? to 10? Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more panicked now than what I was in the beginning, you know, like two weeks ago, because I think we kind of touched on this a bit two, two, three weeks ago. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little more panicked. David Montgomery seems to be the quote unquote bell cow back, the every down back for this team. He's getting all the opportunity. Uh, he had 32 carries compared to Jameer's eight. Although Jameer was a lot more efficient, he averaged five yards a carry. Jameer also had uh, four catches for 18 yards, I believe it was. Um, he's still going to get a little bit of that pass catching work, but like you said, there are 11 yards. I apologize, but he's, I don't, I don't think he's the opportunity is not going to be there as long as David Montgomery's healthy. So I, I'm, I'm a little panicked. Um, it might change depending on how they decide to utilize Jameer Gibbs going forward. I don't think we, we haven't seen him split out wide or, uh, do anything that we heard of in the, you know, preseason about you'll see Jameer Gibbs everywhere. I don't think we've seen that quite yet. So there, to me, there's still optimism. Uh, he's still my RB2 in Dynasty, but I, I there is a little bit of panic there. I'd say right around a four or five. I don't panic often on players, but I, I'm starting to get there on him. Right now, I'm probably at about a seven, to be honest with you. We saw this out of DeAndre Swift as well. We wanted more from him with the talent he was, much like Jameer Gibbs right now. But it's just a Lions thing. They like the hammer on first and second down. That's who they're going to feed the ball to. I don't know. They did spend that high draft capital on him and said they would have drafted him ahead of Bijan, which is still nuts to me. But they're not using him like they love him that much. We haven't seen him deploy, like you said, out in the slot or out wide or anything like that. Like they were hinting at they were going to use him all over the damn place, and they haven't, which is unfortunate. Going back to looking at his snap share or snap percentages so far this season, uh, week one, 27%. Week two, 48%. Week three, without David Montgomery, still only 60%. And then last week, 37%. I expect more. I know 
He's not putting up terrible numbers. I mean, 8, 12, 9, and 9. But it's not what we're looking for out of a guy of this high caliber and the talent he possesses. Uh, right yeah. now, I think I'd entertain some trade offers just to see what I can get for right now. If others are still extremely high and willing to pay top dollar, I'd be willing to listen to him. Would you let him go for a single first? Absolutely not. I'm not panicking that much to where I'm trying to get rid of him by any means. He's still going to hold his value for – I mean, look how long we all wanted DeAndre Swift for. But yeah, I'm, until about this past year. Yeah, we all banged our head against the wall. Top 10 running back, top 10 talent-wise, he's great. I just don't want to do the same thing with Jameer. What, what is it? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting, expecting different results. results. Yep, that's that's absolutely what insanity is. Um, I'm, I'm not quite comparing him to DeAndre Swift yet. DeAndre Swift had some injuries uh, pop up here and there, so he was missing games, and I've said it in the past, and I'll continue to say it, your best ability is availability. You would. I wish Jameer Gibbs could have capitalized better on that Dave Montgomery absence. He didn't. Maybe this is a little bit of that trickle-down effect of him not capitalizing on it. Um, I'm, I'm not panicking. Uh, you'd have to give me a lot more than just a single first for me to sell him. Like I said, I still have him at RB2 in Dynasty, so I'm not completely out the door yet on him. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of holding my breath if they're going to split him out wide, like you said, you know, out the slot, out wide, using you know more in like a Percy Harvin-esque role, you know, just – get the ball in his hands any way you can. Uh, but they've got they've got some mouths to feed, though, also. They do, especially with the emergence of Sam Laporta. J-Mo's coming back this week, I believe. I'm sure he won't have a big role right off the bat, but he will be back. So there's, like I said, there's a lot of mouths to feed. They're only adding to it at this time. Yeah, like and you that, said, Sam Laporta, Amon Ra, J-Mo, I mean, all three of those are ahead of him. And obviously, David Montgomery is too. There's four ahead of him right off the rip. Yeah. And uh, just doubling back to Ray GQ's Trinity theory, uh, I goofed up, said it completely wrong. It's um, He looks at target share, targets per route run, uh, where is it? Um, air yard share, and yards after the catch per reception. So if you're high up in those categories, from what I've seen, you're going to be a fantasy guy, fantasy relevant, somebody that we want on our teams, much like a Cole Komet. He's up there very highly in those categories, and now it's starting to produce for him. So I'm on board with Mr. GQ and what he's putting down with the Trinity Theory. If you haven't listened to he does a weekly video on this using the utilization tool at Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life, which is just fantastic if you haven't used it. I recommend checking it out each and every week to see from the previous weeks how players are being used and where they're being used. It's an awesome tool. So if you haven't checked out his videos on it, I highly suggest you do so. I picked up some players, you know, trading-wise from those videos that I didn't think were going to produce like they are. And his videos led me on to them. And some of them you still get for fairly cheap, too. It's not like... Amon Ra, you know, Garrett Wilson. It's not always the elite top 10 dynasty assets. There are other guys that hit those thresholds that he's looking for that aren't elite status type of players that are still attainable. But we'll move on to Mr. Kenny Pickett. I know you're a big Kenny Pickett fan. Oh, big. <laughs> Huge. No. He's the man. 
No. So one to ten. Panic patience. I'm at a ten. I'm panicking. I'm getting rid of him by any means necessary. Unfortunately, he did catch an injury this past week, looking like he might miss a couple of weeks, a short-term injury. But he is not looking good, man. He's not looking like he's gotten any better. He's got good weapons. I mean, Najee's not a slouch. Jalen Warren's pretty good in his own right. Of course, Pat F., George Pickens, Allen Robinson can still go a little bit in his old age. He's just not it to me. I want him gone off any and all teams as soon as I possibly can. I would probably take a second for him at the moment. I don't yeah. care if he's young and he can still turn around. I, I want him gone. I'm going to liquid asset in return. I, honestly, I don't think there's a whole hell of a lot to add on to what you said. Uh, I know I have him in, in one league, uh, but luckily he's my QB3 or QB4, so I'm not, you know, terribly hard off to, to necessarily get rid of him because he's a starting quarterback for now. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm definitely, I'm going to attend with you. I honestly wouldn't want any shares of Kenny Pickett. I absolutely would not buy him right now. Uh, the, the struggles he's having absolutely make no sense. Uh, he's got four touchdown passes on the year and he's got four interceptions thrown on the year. Uh, he's got, like you said, kind of weapons for days. Pat F who I have as a top seven tight end. Najee's still a great running back. And George Pickens, who I know I have at least top 20, I think top 22. So he's got weapons. He's not not able to utilize them. But what, what is he? he? He wears gloves when he throws, right? I think he wears at least one glove on his left hand. Okay. He's not Teddy two gloves. But regardless, I, think- I, I want no piece of Kenny Pickett. Uh, I, I'd probably be okay with the second as well. Let me go for a second. I'd want more but that'd probably be my bottom dollar. Yeah, I don't typically want to move starting quarterbacks and super flex for seconds, but I don't think he's going to get any better. I think from here on out, it it can only go down. I want to get out why I can get something decently valuable for him. Yeah, I feel like this is uh, kind of on the same trajectory of Mitch Trubisky the second or the last year he was in Chicago, you know, before shit really went bad. So I'm with you on Kenny Pickett, though. We'll move on to another quarterback, uh, Mac Jones. He got benched again for Bailey Zappi. I'm also at a 10 until I bring him up. I want him gone for whatever the hell I can get out of him. I don't think he's going to have a job for much longer. Bailey Zappi's not playing too hot either, but Mac Jones isn't playing lukewarm. He's playing ice cold like he's in fucking Antarctica. There's no weapons around him for him to really progress and improve. I want to get rid of him if I have him. I'm not comfortable if he's my quarterback, too, whatsoever. Even as a bi-week insurance policy, I want to get something different for him. That way I have more flexibility to buy a spot starter if need be, you know, like a Josh Dobbs, uh, somebody like that that could be had for a third or even like a late second just to throw in there in the lineup for a couple weeks if need be. Yeah, I'm right there with you, and this is kind of crazy considering how hot he started week one against Philly. You know, I mean, he – I mean, I know he had, what, 54 pass attempts, but he had over 300 yards, three touchdowns, still had an interception, but that week he finished his QB2. He hadn't finished higher than QB22 since then. Um, I, I 
talk, we've talked about him at lengths before. He was the most pro-ready quarterback in that class coming in. He looked decent in his rookie year, and honestly, he's another one of them guys that uh, didn't progress at all, really. And New England's notorious for being cheap and not going out and getting weapons. I was hoping maybe uh, going out and drafting Keyshawn Boutte that uh, maybe that would change, at least have somebody he could reliably throw the ball to maybe, um, although I'm also down on Boutte. I think there's more than just uh, a, a skill problem here. I've listened to a lot of stuff about Mac Jones and then read some 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 articles about him. He's He is not liked by anybody in the locker room. The coaches, the players, none of them. Uh, Bill Belichick told Bill O'Brien he's basically your problem. So I want no piece of Mac Jones. I would sell him for peanuts at this point. And he also was a problem at the Alabama locker room from what I've read. It's very interesting. He doesn't. He seems like a very quiet guy. You wouldn't guess that from him. Uh, I guess the Patriots don't like him because of his, um, like the media presentation of himself and calling out uh, the Patriots on their shit. Yeah, that's that's not going to fly with good old Robert there. Kraft or or Kraft. Yeah, but I mean, you're not the Tom Brady Patriots anymore, guys. No. You can you can do wrong, you can do bad. You you've been fucking bad for years. So oh no, I'm not I'm not saying Mac Jones is wrong. I'm, I'm I agree with him. Call out the bullshit when it's bullshit. You know, call it how you see it. I 100 agree with that. But you're not going to make friends doing that, especially when you got a bunch of older guys who are traditionalists don't like being called out on said bullshit, like Bill Belichick. You know he's he's let guys go because he didn't want to pay him. They didn't talk shit about him. All right. We'll move on to T. Higgins. How are you feeling about him now? He did injure his ribs last week. He may miss some time. He may not. Remains to be seen. But this has not been his year outside of the one blow-up game in week two. I mean, he's got zero points week one, eight targets, no catches. Then, you know, 28 week two, and then four week three with eight targets, and then 3.9 last week with four targets. So outside of that blow-up game, he's put up numbers of somebody you don't even want on your bench. I'm probably at about a five with him. I'm I'm on the fence, but I think I'm going to be a little bit more patient with him for the time being. He's still very talented and kind of looking ahead to the future that maybe he won't be a Bengal next year and maybe be the number one with a young quarterback to lean on him next year. Yeah, I'm kind of going to echo the same sentiments that you're saying. Uh, that this whole Bengals offense isn't looking good. So it's to me, it's not just a T problem. You know, Jamar Chase, granted, he had 80-plus yards on seven catches or whatever it was. So he, he had a decent game. But I think Joe Burrow had 169 yards passing, uh, 165 yards passing on 20 of 30, you know, 20 pass or 30 pass attempts, 20 completions. That, that's not good. Uh, this Bengals no, not, to, not to interrupt you, but the Titans is a piss poor defense. They're like bottom three, four in passing categories. This was supposed to be a a smash matchup for T, Jamar, Burrow. They were supposed to get back on track and be the Bengals we saw last year. Yeah, they shouldn't have only scored three points. I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna get there for you, pal. But um, I'm, I'm not out on T Higgins. You know, like you said, he got hurt. He only participated in 51% of offensive snaps where he's been hanging around 90% the previous three games. So, and I still think T Higgins is plenty talented enough. I mean, I, I might drop him down to like wide receiver 
14 or something, but I'm not, I'm not panicking on T Higgins. He's, I think he knows he's out. They can't resign him or they're not going to, he's going to go That's somewhere. And, he wants, unfortunately. He, yeah. He, right. He'd have to take a significant pay cut and deservedly. So, you know, Burrow just got paid, you know, Jamar is going to get paid. You got other guys that need to get paid. T Higgins just unfortunately is going to be the odd man out. If he doesn't take a restructured deal, I mean, look at Joe Mixon. He restructured and took a pay cut to stay. But I don't expect T. Higgins to do that. T. Higgins can go about anywhere and get the money he wants and deserves. I'm not out on T. Higgins. I'm panic wise, one to 10, I'm probably a three. I'd say I'm currently, in case other managers are panicking, because you know, majority of the leagues we have, he's on a win now roster. Yeah. So maybe you can get him for a discount, give them somebody else that's producing. But I, as a Bengals fan, I feel bad for Joe Mixon now for restructuring, and the team is absolute ass cheeks at the moment. I don't know if you heard Jamar's little sound bite, but he I said, "I'm always fucking open." Jamar did, yeah. So there's a little bit, a little bit of frustration, understandably so. Hopefully, that's not going to create a rift. I don't expect it to with how close him and Burrow are, but just maybe something to keep an eye on going forward. As I agree. He's almost always fucking open. You can just like the meme, you know, fuck it. Jamar's down there somewhere. Right. Get back to that football, Burrow. Pretty much. I I lost a lot of money on the Bengals this week. I thought Jamar was going to go over 100 plus, have a touchdown. I thought Burrow was going to go over 270 and have a couple touchdowns, and none of it happened. And I don't. I can't understand why, or I don't. I don't understand what the problem is. I think maybe Burrow still has that calf injury. It's lingering, of course, and it's affecting him. But they're not saying that. Uh, to be honest, I I 100% agree with you because wasn't this a similar calf injury? Did Aaron Rodgers have this? And I feel like Aaron Rodgers had a slight calf injury before he tore his Achilles. Uh, I don't remember, but it's possible. Regardless, I could be wrong, uh, but I 100% agree with you that I think that calf injury might still be bugging Burrow because, uh, like I said, 30 pass attempts, 20 completions. I mean, that's 66% completion percentage. That's that's not bad at all. But 165 yards. I mean, that is. I mean, that's less than 10 yards of completion. That's that's absolutely terrible. Not what we're used to seeing. No, to me that says that he's doing a, a bunch of dunk and dive short passes. And if Jamar Chase is frustrated and says, I'm open every play, that tells me Burrow's not confident in throwing the ball deep. Yeah, there's got to be a reason for it. Which, what does T. Higgins also do? Yeah. T's just had terrible luck this season. Yeah. I'm, I'm not out on T, though. I I love T, man. I, I can't. He, he's, to me, like I said, still top 14, top 12. And he's coming off his best season last year. He's just – that offense just – it's not clicking at all. No, hopefully you get turned around sooner rather than later for Marvin so. Harrison Jr. I well, I mean that wouldn't be a bad get either, but I hope they turn it around because I have a lot of money on the Bengals to win that division, and they are in a couple big parlays for me that they're looking pretty good outside the Bengals. Oh yeah, I got plenty of money on division, playoff win, Super Bowl hit the whole shebang is there this year for me, and it's not looking pretty. I've got them in like three different parlays to be division winners that are like turning 10 bucks into a couple thousand dollars. So I, I need them to turn it around. Absolutely. Something bad. Move on to Kyle Pitts. 
are you panicking on him finally after a couple of years and continuously being misused so far this season? Are you still being patient, looking to hold on to him? I, I'm not panicking because of his ability or his skill. I am panicking because the lack of opportunity that he's, he's being given. I mean, just looking at some of the numbers through four games, he's been targeted 11 times or he's been targeted 21 times. He's only got 11 catch 11 catches. I mean, that's absolutely crazy to me. He's, he's currently tight end uh, 28, I believe. He's yeah, it's not tight tight end tight end 30. I apologize. So, um, I still think the world of Kyle Pitts, I still think he's talent wise a top three tight end without a shadow of a doubt. He still separates. He, I'm sure he hits Ragey Q's, uh, Trinity marks for everything. You know, he's he's a monster, but Atlanta Falcons, they're I just don't like him there. No, talent wise, he's got it, but same thing. I'm the reason I'm panicking is. The situation. I know we're usually talent over situation, but so far the talent has not overcome the, the horrible situation. And Arthur Smith isn't going anywhere, in my opinion. He was seven and ten the first two years. That's not terrible whatsoever with the way that team has been built. They're looking at a similar season this year. So I don't he's not going anywhere. He should outlast Ritter on that team. Both Arthur Smith and it being a young guy under contract, I I don't know if I would bet on it. I put Kyle Pitts on the block in all my leagues, which is pretty much every single league I I'm in. I have Kyle Pitts besides like two, I think. So I'm looking to see what the market is. Maybe see if I can go down to Cole Komet possibly and get a plus on top. Even right now, I'd probably swap for Dalton Kincaid straight up. I know he hasn't been off to a hot start. But I'm liking his outlook for the next year, two years, with the way the team stands for both of them, a hell of a lot better. Would you take Sam Laporta straight up? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Sam Laporta's not going to be offered straight up. No. Not no at this not. point. Um, yeah, I, I think we're echoing the same thing here, man. It's it's That offense just didn't, didn't – he doesn't fit in that scheme of that offense. And I don't think he will as long as Arthur Smith's there and Desmond Ritter's a quarterback there. Move on to our dynasty report. So just a couple of notable players from the last week that we want to bring up. If we're moving them up and down on our rankings, whether we're buying or selling, we'll start off with DeAndre Swift. I know for you, we don't, you don't need to talk much about him. You got him top 10. You love DeAndre Swift. You're probably buying him everywhere you can. And I am too now. He looks to have solidified that number one role in Philadelphia. He's being used in the pass game and the run game. This is the DeAndre Swift we all desperately wanted from the moment he stepped on an NFL field. His price tag may, might be high, but it, it's probably worth it in the end if you're a contender to get someone that has running back one upside week in, a week out, that's going to get consistent work all around. And he's... He's back in my top 15. I dropped him out beginning of the season because I felt I was irrationally high on him like yourself for no reason. But he's back up there in the top 15 for me now. Yeah, I think that when we originally did our, our rankings, I think I had him as a top three running back, um, like you said, irrationally so. 
just pounding my head up against the wall. He's talented. He's talented. He's talented. Uh, and we never really saw it. I mean, he, you know, him and Dan Camp. Not I shouldn't say him and Dan Campbell necessarily, but Dan Campbell likes running backs that are available. He wasn't available all the time, so it didn't work. Goes to Philly. Uh, I've got him as a, my RB8 in Dynasty right now. Um, I, I think that he can continue to rise. He's putting it finally on tape. I mean, this last week he finished his RB10, and he only had 14 carries, 56 yards, and a touchdown. He had four targets, four, four catches for 23 yards. I mean, I think that he can just continue to keep going. I know he had that big blow-up game against uh, the Vikings. Yeah, Vikings, and he had 175 yards and a touchdown. I I just think he's finally an offense that's going to utilize him uh, even better. The Eagles love to run the ball. That that offense, unlike the Bengals, is a well-oiled machine and just ticking on every cylinder. Not wrong. Vaughn to a long-lost friend of ours, Baker Mayfield. He, I believe the Buccaneers are 3-1 under him starting right now. He's doing a pretty solid quarterback two numbers week in and week out. And I'd be trying to buy him right now if I need a quarterback two or a quarterback three that, for the moment, seems like you can count on for solid production week in and week out, good weapons around him. And he looks, he looks good. He looks like he hasn't lost a step maybe even better than what he was with the Browns. He looks to be consistent now. So give me all the Baker Mayfield I can handle as my quarterback two or a plug-and-play type of guy when I'm in a pinch. Yeah, I think the Baker we're seeing now is the same Baker we saw. Was it Kevin Stefanski when he was the OC? Was that who it was? Um, he, he looks confident. He's making the throws. He's got seven touchdowns with only two interceptions. And I'm, I'm just impressed. And then he's he's got the weapons too. You know, Mike Evans, it's never a bad time when you're throwing to Mike Evans. Uh, I'll, I'll take Baker Mayfield, and I th- I'm sure he could be gotten for fairly cheap still. Um, yeah, I'm, but I'm all over him, brother. Absolutely. Uh, would you give a first for him? Nope, not not that high. I'd yeah. give a second comfortably all day. Absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. That's where my line of demarcation is, too. I'd give a second, but not a first. I might toss a just a little sprinkle of something on top of a second, but nothing crazy. You can't get too crazy with it because it is it is Baker. Let, let's right. not forget that. He can fall off the wagon in the blink of an eye and not hop back on that thing. No, absolutely. I think – but I think Baker's big problem in Cleveland was just the changes of offenses. I feel like he had different offensive coordinators about every year. So if they can keep him on the same offensive coordinator, I think he'll be okay. We'll move on to another guy that we really love around here, another resurrection story, William Bam Cam Akers. Five carries for 40 yards, two catches for 11 yards. He looked good running the ball in Minnesota. Didn't get a lot of work, obviously, seven touches. But they traded for him for a reason. Madison has fumbling problems. He's been inefficient so far. Hell, he got 18 touches this past week and got just across 10 PPR points. K-Makers had seven PPR points with, what, third of the work? Half the work, at least? Seven touches. Yeah. So I'm still trying to buy Cam Akers, but unfortunately for me, I have him everywhere already. So I, right. I can't buy him. But if I don't have him, I think he's a sneaky buy. I can I, tell you, I was going to say, I can I, tell you this. If you don't have him, I do. Yeah. And I'm not getting it from you, and you're not getting it from me. So we're at a stalemate. Right. But he, I wholeheartedly believe in his talent. Talent wise, I had him as my running back one, his draft class. 
just based on that alone. And I think the problem was McVay. They didn't get along. They didn't like each other for whatever reason. McVay didn't believe in him. I think that was his problem. We're going to see him flourish, I believe, if he gets the opportunity in Minnesota. I think the opportunity is coming, man. I think it's 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 yelling his name soon. I'm, I know I uh, drafted Alexander Madison in a couple leagues uh, that we started up this last year trying to be sneaky because I think it was before Dalvin Cook was even released. So I was like, cool, capitalized on that. Got Alexander Madison. I think it was in an auction league. Got him for stupid cheap. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. You know, you're you're leading the train, but I'm the the second row of defense. I'm I'm on the Cam Akers train, brother. Um, I he still looks good. I, I agree with you on the Ram situation. Him and McVay didn't get along, and then the torn Achilles just completely wrecked that whole opportunity, and then. You know, the Rams just kept drafting running backs. They got Kyron Williams now, so whatever. But uh, I think Cam Akers is here before too long. I'd say uh, they got a week 12 bye week, but I think even before that, probably around week eight, week nine, we'll see the reins shift from Madison to Cam Akers. Could be sooner depending on how bad Madison fumbles more. And we've seen, it, unfortunately, with Antonio Gibson, if you have a fumbling problem with some coaching staffs, it doesn't matter what they have in you, how good they think you are. If you can't secure that rock, you're not going to have it. Yeah, even if you are the more talented back, which I don't think is the case in this this case, I think Akers is more talented than Madison. Uh, and, you know, I, I think they were expecting Madison to do what he was doing when Dalvin Cook was out in the past. And it, he doesn't he doesn't look like Dalvin. So uh, I'm all over Cam Akers. I'd, I'd buy him in a heartbeat. And I'm sure he's cheap. Oh, absolutely, especially after getting traded for a six-rounder all day. Yeah. Move on to Nico Collins. Is Nico Collins being an alpha receiver a thing? I think it is, buddy. Um, for the Michigan man, uber-talented. He's got the size, 6'4", 215. Uh, PPR points-wise, 14, 27, 5, and 35 on the year. He's gotten 11 targets, 9, 3, and 9. He seems to be the number one in this offense, C.J. Stroud's favorite target. and He is playing extremely well. He's got two games of 146-plus yards receiving. If you don't have Nico Collins, I'd be trying to get him ASAP. I think the breakout, he's in the midst of a breakout. He's going to continue to roll. This offense is going to throw the ball all over the yard each and every game. He's going to be the the top target, the most was it the top beneficiary for that team. Yeah, um, I was huge on Nico Collins coming out of coming out of Michigan. Um, you know, along him and DPJ, I've, I've always liked both those guys coming out of Michigan. Obviously, DPJ hadn't uh, didn't really do much, but Nico Collins finally breaking out. He's still only twenty four. Finally got a competent quarterback, it looks like. I think Stroud is the real deal. Uh, kind of changed that tune a little bit. I was I was worried about Stroud down there in Houston with that offensive line and everything, but that they're they're putting up points and Stroud is he's extremely impressing me, man. And Nico Collins, like you said, he's he's the wide receiver one on that team. I think Tank Dell is also a, a great wide receiver who I'm sure we'll be talking about here soon. Um, but Nico Collins is like you said, the the primary benefactor of of CJ or of CJ Stroud's passes. Uh, he's got three touchdowns on the year already through four games. 
Yeah, he's breaking out as a top twenty-five, possibly a top twenty receiver in my rankings. He's just woo. He's liftoff baby, going to the moon right now. Yeah, I hear that. It's hard not to not to think that when, like you said, he's got one hundred and sixty-eight last game and one hundred forty-six the week before that, or two weeks ago. He only had one bad game against Jacksonville, and Jacksonville's defense pretty good, and he still had fifty-four yards. Yeah, whatever he's done for you this year, you've been extremely happy with. Absolutely, because you probably don't have nothing in him. He's oh, currently sitting as matter. as wide receiver five. So, switch from the dynasty report to the rookie report. Like you said, we'll bring up Tank Dell. Uh, so far this season, outside this past game, he has popped in a great way. So let's see here. Uh, week one. 6.4 points, week two, 20, week three, 25, and last week three. Which is, I think what we're getting now is pretty much peak Tank Dell from what we're going to see. He has the upside of 20-plus points a game, but he also has the upside of five or, or the, the downside of five or less. But if you play in leagues such as ours where you do get punt kick return, yardage, he is the punt returner. He got two carries this past week for 13 yards. He only saw three targets, but when he gets seven targets, 10 targets, he's producing. So you'd just like to see more targets, and I think you're going to see more production naturally. Yeah, kind of backtracking a little bit how I said about Nico didn't have a great game against Jacksonville. Fucking Tank Dell did. He had seven targets, five five catches, 145 yards, and touchdown. He was the guy that game. Uh, when Tank Dell scores a touchdown, he scores over 20 points in fantasy. Uh, like you said, Tank Dell, uh, going back a little bit, it's the old Julio trick. He either blows up and scores 25 points when you don't need him to, or he's going to score five or less when you need him to score 20. Um, Tank Dell, I, I love me some Tank Dell. There's a reason CJ uh, vouched for the kid and he got drafted by the the Texans. Um, I, I don't think he's a you know this year play. I think he's more of a next year play. But in best ball leagues, he's definitely worth worth trading to get. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm all over Tank Dell, man. I love me some Nathaniel Dell. Absolutely, especially in best ball leagues, I'm paying a pretty good price for him. I put him on the block after week two and got basically nothing in regards to trade offers that were worth the damn. And now I'm sure people wish they would have ponied up a little bit more because, like you said, gets a touchdown, 20-plus points. He doesn't. He's probably not making your lineup. Someone else will. Right. Move on to another rookie, Tajay Spears, someone I was extremely high on coming out of Tulane. He didn't have an eye-popping game. He had 8.8 PPR points, five carries for 40 yards. He did have four targets again. It's the third time this year he's had four targets. So if there is such thing as a receiving back in Tennessee, it's him. And he's also their kick returner as well. So plenty of opportunity for him so far. And he is making the most of it. Second second game with 40-plus rushing yards on the season. I mean, the, the big thing is, you know, opportunity. Um and I'm, I'm seeing it, man. He's got 53% snap percentage this last game, 56% the week before that. You know, if he can hover around 50, 55% snap percentage, the opportunities are going to come. I think Tajay Spears is, is would be a great buy, good get for a fairly low price now before, you know, either Derrick Henry leaves or gets hurt again or, or something. But I, I like me some Tajay Spears. 
Absolutely. I'd be comfortable paying a mid to late second for him. I'm sure you could get him for a third and something else on top, another dart throw, especially in lineup leagues. People don't really care about him too much right now. But someone everyone cares about, Devon Chain. 27 PPR points against the rough and tough Buffalo Bills defense. Eight carries for 101 and two touchdowns, three receptions for 19 yards. He is quickly taking over that backfield from Raheem Mostert. And he is he's a touchdown magnet. That's what, six in the last two weeks? Yeah. And you can say what you want about the week before, fluke, what, what have you. Played the bad defense in the Broncos, but he did it against the Bills, who are a defensive-minded team, defensive-minded head coach, and are very good on that side of the ball. And he's still going to be stopped. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. He had 60% snap percentage and and averaged 12 yards a carry on eight carries, two touchdowns. A quarter of his carries went for touchdowns this week. I think his his snap percentage and utilization is only going to go up. It's hard to keep a guy off the field that's averaging a first down a carry. Absolutely. And he is getting the opportunity, like you said. He's making the most of it. This is what he can do for you. He can get you the big plays, the home run ball in a hurry. Would you take Devon Achain in a third for Jameer Gibbs? No. What about a second? Probably. I think I would right now. Yeah. He's playing on a high-powered offense, given the opportunity. He's doing what we wish Jameer Gibbs was doing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Is that about where you – is that where you're at too? You wouldn't give, you wouldn't take Devon in the third for Jameer, but you would do it for a second, right? That's a that's second, absolutely. At. That's about a smash to me at this point. Yeah, a third, depending on the state of my team, I would, I would consider because it seems like this is what we're gonna get from him. Obviously, not twenty and fifty points a week, but he's gonna be the number one given the opportunity. He's gonna have an expanded workload going. Workload going forward from Mike Mike McDaniel that I heard. So if I'm in desperate need of, say, the Foot Clan League to turn this ship around, I'd probably take a chain in the third for Jameer right now to put those points in my lineup. I feel a little bit more confident week in, week out. Well, there you go. Send that trade in there. Send it off with the second, and then hopefully it counters with the third. Um, but yeah, I kind of the same thing I just said. It, it's hard not to keep a guy on the field when he's averaged over 10 yards a carry. I mean, the, the guy's just lighting it up right now. Obviously, like you said, as well, he's not going to average 25 points, fancy points a game, and temper those expectations a little bit. But another guy kind of like Tank Dell, and he scores those touchdowns as quick and in a hurry, and he's going to put up points. Well, that'll wrap up our rookie report. And just a little exercise I wanted to throw at you off the top. Well, this or that. Puka Nakua edition. So Ooh. let me pull up the rankings here. So Puka or Brandon Ayuk? Mm, Puka. Okay. Puka or Jordan Addison? You're a dick. Probably Jordan Addison. Okay. Okay. Well, here we go. Puka or Devontae Smith? Devontae Smith. Michael Pittman Jr. 
Puka. T. Higgins. T. That one's easy. Drake London. Puka. It's kind of. I'm going to explain on that one though. It's kind of the same Kyle Pitts thing. Yeah, absolutely. He did score a touchdown this week though, but might because they were in London. (laughs) Right. It just makes sense. London and London. Puka or JSN? I'm going to say JSN. See, I'm on the opposite of the fence of Puka and all the other rookies. I think I would take Puka right now. Uh, I think I saw, you know, someone else say this. I can't remember who off the top of my head, but it's a little bit uh, take lock, in my opinion, right now, as well as the other person to choose JSN over him, given what JSN has done so far, of course. Some of us expected it. Some of us didn't. A lot of people thought he would come out of the gates a little bit you know, more involved, but he hasn't just yet. But for Puka, you know, obviously it, his is talent or situation over talent for him, right? Right. JSN is talent over situation. But at some point, you got to look at the production and what Puka's doing is unreal. It's, it's history making flat out. It's not going to keep up when Cooper Cup comes back, whenever the hell that will be but he's not going to disappear by any means. I think he's going to finish the top rookie this season in terms of fantasy points per game by probably a landslide over his draft mates at this point. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to hear any arguments out of me about that. I mean, he's averaging 25, 30 points a game. I mean, he's absolutely killing it. He's averaging over 10 targets a game. He's he's being hyper-targeted for sure. And he finally scored his first touchdown, so – you know, bravo to that as well. Um, but I, I I get what you're saying about the, like the JSN, for example, when you're comparing opportunity or situation versus talent. Uh, Puka Nakua, like not saying he's not talented because obviously he is. He wouldn't be able to catch the ball if he wasn't. But he's in a lot more favorable position and opportunity situation compared to JSN. I was on the opposite side of the JSN when he was drafted by Seattle. I was like, oh, yeah, that's – that's not the greatest situation. I'm not going to expect much, you know, year one. Uh, to me, he's more of a Tyler Lockett replacement when that time comes, which I think is going to be very soon. Um, would I like to see JSN put up more points? Absolutely, I would. But I think JSN talent-wise is far and above, far above and beyond anybody else in this this wide receiver class. I haven't seen enough of him to say that I'd rather have Puka than him. And I, I'm with you on the Cooper Cup. When Cooper Cup comes back, Puka's going to take a backseat. He is. Absolutely he has to. Cooper Cup was hyper-targeted like this when he set the single-season receiving record. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. So is he going to go, you know, and get nothing? No. I think he's still going to you know, he's going to be the wide receiver too. Absolutely. But the numbers he's putting up are going to go back to Cooper Cup. So. Yeah, like I said, we've mostly been – Talent over situation previously, but maybe it's time to take a look at the other side of the fence. No, Especially that's... when someone's producing like him. And even when Cup comes back, I think he's still going to get eight to ten targets a game easily. Which is, I... compared again, comparing him to his other rookie mates, would still be far and away more than everyone else. Uh, absolutely. I mean, his situation is obviously, in my opinion, the best. The, the Rams don't seem to be very good, and Matt Stafford seems to be throwing the ball 40 times a game. So 
<clears throat> I mean, somebody's got to, you know, get those targets and uh, Puka's taking the, the, he's being the benefactor. Like we talked about Nico Collins earlier. He's currently the wide receiver one on that team. He'll be the wide receiver two when Cooper comes back. Uh, I think it's fair to say that we should look more into uh, situations compared to talent. Um, I'm still a cream rise of the crop for talent, but sometimes situations are so bad that's not the case, i.e. Kyle Pitts, i.e. Jameer, yeah. so, Jameer so far. So I, I think that's fair. I, I just currently I don't want to bet against JSN because I know as soon as I do, he's going to go do something stupid. Oh, absolutely. I got a couple bets on tonight. I was hoping he'd give me – more than seven PPR points. I don't know what he's setting that right now, but <clears throat> excuse me, but I don't think he's hit that mark all season so far. So that'll wrap up the little this or that exercise. That was pretty interesting to hear some of your takes on Puka. We'll move on to our. Well, do, well, do you disagree? You said that you'd have so you have him over Jordan Addison. Absolutely, I have him over JSN. The only player that I named that I'd take over him might be T, might be. But as of this moment, I think I'm going to take Puka over all of them. Fair enough. I mean, he's putting he is putting up historic crazy numbers. So, I mean, it's hard I, to look at the production, even though, especially for me, I know my expectations are tempered to when Cooper Cup comes back. I'm not expecting this to happen. But I still expect him to be better than what Drake London's doing and T. Higgins. The only person that could match him in production will probably be Brandon Ayuk. I would say out of everybody I named, it's possible. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna disagree with you. Brandon Ayuk seems to be the the favorite for Brock Purdy. So yeah, I can I can see where you're coming from. I just I have T. ranked higher, and I feel like mm-hmm. once he leaves that situation from the Bengals and goes somewhere else and makes all kinds of money, he's going to be even better. I agree with you. It's just hard to look at that production and say, nope, give me the other guy that's a little bit older that's doing half of what you're doing right now. And I, and obviously that's where our differences lie. And you're looking at production. I'm looking at value. Yeah, but eventually, much like with T or Kyle Pitts, that's the conundrum right now. We'll, when do you take into account production over potential? And how long do you stay on that that train of he's got the highest potential out of all tight ends, but he's not producing for, what, year three? I mean, that's – yes. I mean, I was off the Kyle Pitts train after about year one and a half. Um, but and it's, it's hard to cross-compare um, – Skill positions. Is that what I was looking for? Positions. Wide mm-hmm. receiver to tight ends. To me, is a little bit different. Um, but no, I, I I get what you're saying. I mean, you're you're looking at the numbers Puka's putting up, and I absolutely agree with you. It's it's insane. Uh, to me, it's just that it's sustainable. I don't think it is. I'm not. No, I'm not, not. I'm not willing. I'm not willing to bet that he does. Uh, it's is it. I, I think that it's in the realm of possibilities. He gets eight targets a game, and Cooper Cup comes back. But then you got to think, how many is he not catching? You know, six six catches a game is not bad. No, not at all. If he can start finding the end zone a little bit more often, that could, you know, even out less targets. Absolutely. And if, you know, six catches for 70 yards and a touchdown here and there, that's that's great for a rookie. Absolutely. Yeah, well, look at our DraftKings face-off from this past week. 
I don't think you want to look at it because it's not very pretty for your side. I am whooping that ass. I am doubling you up in points. 166 to 80. I didn't look at it at all, brother. I'm not even going to lie to you. I came home Thursday after a long day at work and just threw that shit together. Yeah, yeah, it didn't work for you this time. I no. luckily had the uh, hellacious double stack. I had Justin Fields and Cole Komet, as well as Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. So right there was about 100 points. Well, between Fields, Komet, and CMC was 100 points on DraftKings. Oh, yeah, if you had CMC, yeah. I'm just trying to look at them now. Yeah, you're... You're, you're killing me, that's for sure. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, we'll be 2-2 two and two now. But as far as, like, overall season standings, this will definitely put me ahead in, like, average points per week or whatever they call it. If we'll both be 2-2, two and two, we break it even for both of us so far, money-wise. See, and I bet I need to quit betting on the Bengals. I put Joe Burrow in my lineup. I need to – I'm done. Joe Burrow, one time, that's it, you're done. We had a lot of similar players, though. Yeah, we both have uh, what Purdy or not Purdy, but David uh, Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, who's not doing and too hot. We both had Brock Purdy as well. I think he's going to be a, a mainstay on my team every week. He's so cheap too. I think he was like sixty four or sixty five hundred. You and I play the. Uh, we do the super flex lineups. We don't do the one quarterback with the defense. No, we scrap that. We'll do super flex. Yeah, we we play super flex for fantasy, so. DFS, we might as well do the same. Yeah, if at all possible. Honestly, I recently this year so far because Superflex was only on FanDuel previously, and now DraftKings thankfully added it this season, and that's about all I've been doing besides the Millie Maker. Every other right. like head-to-head contest I do or create, it's all Superflex outside of the Millie Maker. Did you it's put that? Play. Did you put that lineup in either contest? No, I did a different one. Unfortunately, that, one, that, that 160 might have cashed a little bit. Uh, my other ones hit 161, but I have nobody okay. tonight. Oh, it was so a uh, Sunday-only contest. Ah, I gotcha. So if I would have tinkered a little bit and then went more towards this way, I might have won. I lost two. They must have. They both must have used the same optimizer because they both had like 167.34. Two different ah. people. So I lost by six and two of them. And the other one, I used the third lineup just for shits and giggles. It didn't go so well. It went about as well as you did against me. Did it? Unfortunately so, but no. Come out in the, in the green and the profit, and that's what matters. That's right. That's all that matters. And most importantly, I tied up our series at two to two. Yes, sir. And the next week is when it gets fun. The bye weeks kick in. Oh, yeah. We'll probably have even more similar players. More than likely. But the you know, cool thing about ours, we do the whole week just like normal fancy. We do Thursday through Monday. Right. We're not so just taking we the one slate of games. Yeah. Yeah, we get the extra six teams that the main slate doesn't get. Right. But that about wraps it up for this week. So appreciate you guys tuning in. Of course, please give us all a follow on Twitter at Gump7285. And D underscore cook nine three, as well as the podcast at gridiron underscore FS. And once again, appreciate you guys for listening. Give us a rating review, Apple Podcast, Spotify, It'd be greatly appreciated. And we'll see you again next week. See ya. Thanks for listening.